Okay, so if you listen to Thursday's show, you may have heard me say we were seeing some signs of life, and I have led you astray. The Tigers' offense flatlined again in a 4-0 loss to Cleveland yesterday. It was their first series loss of the season. It dropped them back to second place, and I'll talk about that. I'll preview this weekend's now two-game series against Minnesota, and I'll touch on a stupid decision by minor league baseball and finish by answering a few questions on today's Locked on Tigers podcast. It is Friday, April 12th, 2019. I am your host, Chris Brown, and as always, I would like to remind you before we begin to please download, rate, and review Locked on Tigers on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or the new podcasting app Himalaya. And when you get into your car with your smart device, tell it to play podcast Locked on Tigers. So actually, there were a couple bits of news before yesterday's game. Uh, The first one was that Nick Castellanos was a late scratch from the lineup because of a sprained big right toe. Now, I periodically dislocate my pinky toe, and it makes it impossible to walk, so I will not judge Castellanos for sitting out with a toe injury. Today's game has already been canceled, so Castellanos is kind of hoping to get some more rest and be back on Saturday. But the actual big news of the day was that Mikey Matuk got designated for assignment to make room for Jacoby Jones, who had just been promoted from Lakeland up to Toledo, and there was talk about him getting some more at-bats there, and I guess they just changed their mind. So he was put on waivers. Any other team in, in baseball can claim him. I suspect that no one will, but we'll see. And they chose to send him down over Dustin Peterson, and this is actually the right choice, and I applaud them for making it, but I also have some thoughts about it, just kind of about the nature of baseball and luck. I don't think Matuk is a particularly good player, but I just want to point out how sometimes the game is unfair and how so much of what we view as skill is actually just luck. So all the talk about Matuk was that he was 0 for 23 at the plate with 11 strikeouts. That's not good. And he was also bad in the field. That's not good. This is all true, but he was also pretty damn unlucky. Gordon Beckham and, and Dustin Peterson are striking out at roughly the same rate, but a couple of the balls they put into play fell for hits. In, in Beckham's case, one went over the wall. So yeah, and if you've been listening to this podcast or following the Locked on Tigers Twitter account, you've probably seen me talk or write a lot about exit velocity. And to a lot of people, that means absolutely nothing. If people like former Tigers disastrous trade acquisition Aubrey Huff, uh, they just want to know about the results. They hit a homer, an RBI, what happened? And that's all I care about. That's fine. I'm not here to tell people how to be a fan, but, and uh, you know, if, if there's one thing I really want you to kind of take away from this podcast in general, it's that there's almost always more to what's going on. That's all. Uh, and this is why I think it's important to look at the process sometimes rather than the results. Hitting a ball is a skill. There's no denying that. But what happens after you hit it is almost all luck. You can change your luck and improve it a little bit by altering your swing and things like that, but a lot of it is left to chance. And part of that is what makes baseball fun, to me at least. You know, think back to that game in New York where Candelario hit the ground ball and it bounced off first base and turned into a double. That's fun. It's luck. It's unpredictable. It's what makes sports fun. But a lot of times that luck works against you, too. And so this is why I talk about exit velocity a lot, because it's something you don't luck into. You hit the ball hard, it's a skill. And the average exit velocity on hits in baseball or balls in play is about 88 miles an hour. Montuk's this year was 88.6, slightly better than average. It's better than Josh Harrison this year and Jammer Candelario and Kristen Stewart and Grayson Griner and Dustin Peterson. So he's hitting the ball harder than these guys. Now, the launch angle, it was unfavorable to him. But what StatCast can do is take that velocity and that launch angle and estimate what kind of damage you should have done. Matux is still bad. You know, he's striking out a lot. He's not hitting the ball the proper launch angle for the most part. He's not a good player. I'm not saying that. But it's better than Peterson's, who remains in Detroit. And again, I, I do think this was the right decision. I'm just trying to point out the way that luck can work in baseball. It reminds me of that, that great little speech in Bull Durham. One of many great little speeches, but where basically Kevin Costner says the difference between being a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter is one hit a week. And for a part-time player, the difference between the majors and the minors is even less than that. But here we are. 
So that's I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, anyway, the Tigers played yesterday, and it sucked. It uh, was another very cold day. I think it was 43 degrees at first pitch, and with a strong wind, 20-mile-an-hour wind, uh, in the morning, there was snow on the ground, so that can't be fun for baseball. Spencer Turnbull got the start, coming off his career-best outing on opening day, and it started out okay. He struck out Leonis Martin, the menace, uh, on a curveball, and then he struck out Jose Ramirez in a 97-mile-an-hour sinker, which you just don't see much very often. Uh, but then he gave up a soft single to Jake Bowers, who stole second, and then a soft single to Carlos Santana, who was also a menace, and that made it one nothing. Then he struck out Hanley Ramirez on a curve, so... Struck out the side around two soft hits, and it's one nothing Indians. The Tigers' offense does nothing, so back in the uh, second inning, Turbo comes out, gives up a single on a sinker right down the heart of the plate. He didn't really have his command. 107 mile an hour exit velocity, so that's a hit hard. But then he gets a ground ground out in a deep fly ball. It was a barrel, which we'll talk about one day, but was tracked down by Jacoby Jones. So welcome back, Jacoby. That was a, a fine defensive play. And then he gets another swinging strikeout, limiting the damage so far. And then in the third, Leonis Martin the menace leads off with a bomb of a home run, 436 feet on a fastball. Jose Ramirez flies out, he gets a soft grounder, and then another line single from Santana. And then Dustin Peterson makes a great diving catch in left field to rob Hanley Ramirez and save a run. It was a really, really nice play. So it's still 2-0 here. Tigers are still in it. We go to the fourth inning. This ended up being Turnbull's final inning. He, the Indians really made him work a lot. He threw a lot of pitches. He got, he got an out, but then gave up a weak pop-up single, then a hard single. Then he walked the bases loaded. And then an RBI single from Leonis Martin. They tried to score the runner from second. Nico Goodrum threw him out at home. So that was... Nico Goodrum was one of the, the lone bright spots in the game. But it's 3 nothing Cleveland at this time. Leonis Martin steals second, stole it off Turnbull, and then a deep fly ball, but Goodrum catches it on the warning track. And like I said, that's the end of Turnbull's day. He struggles his way. Four innings pitched, three earned runs, a walk, four strikeouts, and a home run. 91 pitches, 54 strikes, 11 swings and misses. Not his finest outing. Probably we're going to see a few of these this year. So Blaine Hardy comes in for the fifth. Uh, in a funny little moment, the wind blew his hat off and then blew it away. So it gave people a good idea of how blustery it was out there. But Hardy works two relatively uneventful innings, 27 pitches he needed. The only noteworthy play was uh, Jamer Canelario made a really nice barehanded play in the sixth inning. And then after that comes in Drew Verhagen, who immediately gives up a monster fly ball double to Leonis Martin, almost 430 feet again. But he gets a fly out from Jose Ramirez and then a Bowers walk. And then Santana, who's just been on base forever, gets an RBI single to make it 4 nothing. Hannah Ramirez strikes out swinging and then Bowers gets thrown out trying to steal third. So that's the end of the inning. It's 4 nothing Indians. It would stay that way. Eighth inning, Reed Garrett comes in and walks the leadoff batter. He just can't seem to command his fastball at all. He almost walked the next batter, but was able to get a weak fly ball on 3-2. Then he gave up a ground rule double from Brad Miller that would have scored a run, so they were fortunate there. And then he strikes out Stamets, their shortstop, who can't hit very well, and then walks Leonis Martin, and then struck out Jose Ramirez, who ended up 0-13 for 13 in the series. This is a guy who's absolutely murdered the Tigers in his career, and 0-13 for 13 in the series with no hard-hit balls, so something's wrong with him. And... Alcantara gets the final inning, gets a fly out, walks Santana, his fifth time on base in the game, eight, eight in a row on base. For the series, he went four for nine with four walks. And Leonis Martin in the series, five for 11 with three walks, two home runs, and a steal. So that's it for the pitching performance, if you want to call it that. But how about that offense? Shane Bieber was pitching for the uh, Indians, and he was consistently pitching away, and he had fantastic success doing so. The Tigers were shut out for the third time on the season, and they had just the three hits. The fourth time they've been held to three or fewer hits this year. The, their team record for such games is 16 in a season, which was set all the way back in last year. So anyway, yeah, here's how the lack of action went down. The f- game starts off okay. Harrison uh, has a solid eight-pitch at bat that ends in a hard liner to center field, and that was 
the early highlight of the game. Jamer and Miggy go down relatively easy. Second inning, Nico Goodrum uh, leadoff walk against a guy who doesn't walk many guys, and then he steals second, his first deal of the year. But then Dustin Peterson strikes out, so he fails to move him up. And then Nico goes to third on a pass ball, but then John Hicks strikes out, so fails to get him in. And then Grayson Griner grounds out to third. Another wasted opportunity. The Tigers went 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position yesterday, making them 17 for 99 with runners in scoring position on the year, which is just brutal. The third inning, 1-2-3 inning, 7 pitches. That's all it needed. In the fourth, Jamer Candelario lines out. Cabrera strikes out on a changeup, which is Beaver's fourth pitch. Then Nico gets the first hit of the game, a 99-mile-an-hour liner to outfield. But Dustin Peterson strikes out again, so that's it. One hit. The fifth inning, this was their only real threat of the entire game. They lead off with a, a soft ground out, but then Griner gets a base hit to right and followed up by a line single from Jordy Mercer. But then Jacoby Jones pops up again, and then a hard liner from Harrison stopped by Jose Ramirez at third, who throws out Mercer at second, and that's it. They, uh, I mean, we can go through this other sixth inning. Nico Goodrum gets on and with a two-out error, but that's it. And then seventh inning. One, two, three. Eighth inning, Adam Simber comes in. He's, an, I guess, a submariner, they call him. You know, he throws underhanded, basically. Gets another pop out from Jacoby Jones. And Harrison hits a hard hit ground ball and gets bad luck. It uh, pops off Simber's foot and went right to shortstop. Six pitch inning. And uh, just to Jamer Candelario after that is eight for 45 for the Tigers this season. And remember, that's with his five-hit game. So he's three for 40 in all other games. He still has the hardest-hit ball for the, of the season for the Tigers, but yikes, you know, it's, it's not a good start for him. And then the ninth, Cleveland brings in their closer, who they acquired in a trade last year, Brad Hand. He gets uh, Mickey on a called third strike. And uh, something I pointed out the other day, Cabrera hit his first extra base hit like two, three games ago. That was his first extra base hit in 17 games dating back to last season, which is five more than his previous career high. So, yeah, the power seems to be gone, at least for now. We'll see what happens. He did have the hardest hit ball of the game at 111 miles an hour, but it was a ground out, so maybe he needs to work on that launch angle. Uh, Nico pops out, and Peterson with a one-pitch pop out. That's seven pitches. The Tigers go out limply after not making Brad Hand work very hard. Speaking of not making a hand work very hard, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. And I'm looking at you, flaccid listener. You're going to have trouble walking through the door after these. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So I wanted to mention this really dumb thing. Uh, Minor League Baseball has demanded the removal of videos of their players from websites like Baseball America and YouTube and Twitter and things like that, and it just seems completely asinine. It's like, who wants to promote the sport? Certainly not baseball. 
Nobody hates baseball quite like baseball, but I'm sure they'll find a way to make a whole bunch of money off this. But it's, it's just a real bummer for people like me who like to see prospects before they get to the majors. But moving on, so I mentioned that today's game in Minnesota has been postponed until Saturday, May 11th. There was a big storm up there in the Twin Cities, 8 to 10 inches of snow. So today they'll be shoveling and bumping their Dino Spectrum CDs. The day off means that they're skipping Daniel Norris in the rotation, which is fine, whatever. So on Saturday, it's Michael Pineda versus Tyson Ross. Uh, if you haven't watched baseball since 2011, you might remember Pineda as a very good rookie for the Mariners. Uh, but the odds are that you remember him most from the Yankees, where he had a few strong seasons but was uh, injury-prone and famously got suspended for having a big dollop of pine tar on his neck in a game against the Red Sox. Very obvious for everyone to see. Uh, anyway, he missed all of last year, but he's with the Twins now, and so far so good through two starts. Nine innings, two runs, ten strikeouts. He's not throwing as hard as he once did, but his slider still seems to be a good put-away pitch. Uh, Mickey is 6-for-10 in his career against him, but Beckham is the only other Tigers player with a hit. Tyson Ross pitches for the Tigers, and he gets a twin team that is pretty dramatically different from last year. They've been hitting well so far, but they've added Nelson Cruz, the Tiger killer, uh, Jonathan Scope, Marwin Gonzalez, who, who's had a bad start this season, but Byron Buxton is back, and they're getting solid contributions from their returning players, uh, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, and Eddie Rosario. And then they've got the human bowling ball, Williams Estadio, who is impossible to strike out. It's not like an elite offense, but it's probably the best offense the Tigers have faced so far when factoring in what kind of lineup they were facing against the Yankees when they played them. And then Sunday, it's Jose Brios against Jordan Zimmerman. Brios is their ace. He's still just 24. He's been outstanding in three starts so far this year. Solid fastball, 92-94. Very good sweeping curve. He'll mix in some sinkers and change-ups. He gets a ton of soft contact, and he figures to eat this lineup alive. Although Castellanos has had some success against him, 5 for 13. And he and Nico have both hit home runs off Barrios. But unfortunately, the Twins lineup has had a lot of success against Jordan Zimmerman. Rosario, Gonzalez, Kepler, Polanco, Buxton, and Cruz have all hit him and hit him for power. So it'll be a challenge for sure. And finally, I just want to finish with a couple questions from regular contributor Scott. Thanks for chiming in, Scott. The first one is, when are we allowed to believe this team is actually decent? So I guess the the general rule of thumb that people talk about is the 40-game theory. You, You know what kind of team you have after 40 games. I don't really buy into that. Last year's Tigers team was 18 and 22 after 40 games, and the year before that they were 20 and 20, and they both ended up losing 98 games. Sometimes I, it takes more games to really tell, like it did in those two years. But in a season like this, I feel like we can already kind of tell. It just just you look at the talent. It's unlikely that all these guys are going to take huge steps forward in the same year. The pitching staff is doing well, but Boyd is basically their only average or better starter. And it's all iffy after that. And the offense is off to a brutal beginning. I think there's more talent there. So, I don't know, I'll say this. When the offense picks it up, and I'm talking about an outrageous idea of maybe five runs a game for multiple games, and if the pitching is still solid, I won't blame people for believing. I just don't see both happening at the same time this season very often at all. Uh, And the final question is, uh, why do meaningless regular season NBA games feel so much more pointless than mathematically quantifiable meaningless Major League Baseball games? And I know Scott's a big NBA fan, and first, first I have to come out and say there are bad games in baseball too. August games between two last place teams are not fun. They can be brutal. But I am a firm believer, obviously I'm doing a baseball podcast, I'm a firm believer that baseball is the best spectator sport there is by a pretty wide margin. And that isn't to say it's the most exciting or that every game is fun, but I think a much greater percentage of baseball games are fun than any other sport. There's kind of like a natural rhythm to baseball games that makes the whole experience somewhat comforting. It's, uh, you know, the three men up, three men down. It's kind of like a uh, like the tides coming in and out. And I think it's the most sensory game, particularly if you're at the ballpark. The, I, the bat hitting the ball is the best sound in sports. 
basketball going through the net is nice, makes a nice swish, but you need a mic to hear that. You can hear the bat hitting the ball without a mic. It's it's nice. In the ballpark smells, you know, sometimes they're bad smells like stale beer or hot dogs or whatever, but sometimes, you know, you get the roasted almonds and the freshly cut grass, and it's just, it's just a nice sensory experience. And... Baseball is just a fundamentally different sport than the other three big sports. It's it's essentially a series of static one-on-one matches within a larger team framework. And you don't really see that anywhere else. I think the NBA equivalent would be like two players who are guarding each other, going back and forth, trading buckets for like eight consecutive possessions. And when that happens, it's super fun to watch. But you just don't see that very often in the NBA, whereas in baseball it happens dozens of times each game, and I think that's a big thing. So yeah, that's it. That's for the the last show for the week. I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I I appreciate everyone who's listened here these first three weeks of the Locked on Tigers podcast. I, I really do ask and encourage you to send me messages tell me what you like what you don't like i I don't want this to devolve into me just kind of doing a play-by-play of every game but it you know doing a daily podcast i kind of have to spend a lot of time on that but yeah give me feedback i'd love to hear it at locked on tigers at gmail.com and uh, or at locked on tigers on twitter and uh, the tigers are going to head up there to minnesota see if they can take one of those two games maybe both of them and i'll be back on monday to tell you what happened so thanks again for listening have a good weekend